Well, welcome back to the Someone to Tell It To podcast. Uh, it's our last episode of the month of March, and we thank thanks to Juliana, our guest today. She's somebody that we've wanted to have on the program for a long time, and we messaged her literally probably a week or less than a week, less than, than a week, week ago, <laughs> and she quickly responded and said, I, "Let's do it." And and first thing on a Monday morning, we're recording, and uh, it was just a great conversation. Um, she's just doing really deep meaningful work in the world right now work that needs to be done hard work uh, of bridging divides and fostering conversations that need to happen we knew heading into this conversation it was going to be it was going to be a difficult one even for us because there are conversations that we know that sometimes we've even avoided because they are uncomfortable in the world that we're in right now uh, particularly around divisive topics and divisive matters that we have our own personal views on, as we all do. But uh, that doesn't mean, as she talked about in this conversation today, that we, we should other people and make them feel as if they are not human beings. And, uh, and so she articulated beautifully about the work that she does and, and the need for it in the world. I think yeah, you, you mentioned the word that, to me, from, from the the things we've seen and heard podcasts, the, 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 the film that she, that she has created that her Ted talk, that the word othering is used a lot. That's something that we as human beings are guilty of, of othering one another and, you know, kind of pointing out where we are different as opposed to really connecting with what we have in common. And she, the work that she's doing is, is so significant in that it's helping helping us to see to find those common places that the, the safe places the the places that that can stretch us in 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 good ways uh, to have better relationships with one another better understanding so this is a fantastic conversation we look forward to having more conversations with her and getting to know her better and the work that she's doing and, and hopefully there's a way that we could collaborate with her um, to uh, further this message around the world so, let's introduce, uh, let's introduce our guest today. Juliana Tofor is an Obama Foundation scholar, an award-winning documentary filmmaker, and the creator of the Listen Courageously movement and workshop series. With extensive experience in the production world, both as a content executive for Discovery and as a producer on hundreds of hours for National Geographic, Facebook Watch, A&E, History, and others, Juliana's documentary films use listening to foster human connection. As the founder of Story Powerhouse, a training organization, organization using films to cultivate understanding, her workshops invite participants in the business sector from K to 12 and higher education institutions and nonprofits to listen. Her award-winning documentary, Listen, which brings together Americans with opposing viewpoints and facilitates opportunities for them to connect across their differences, inspired the launch of Listen Courageously. Her work in this space recently led to a TEDx talk titled Listening Courageously Can Bridge What Divides Us. She's been selected as a leader by the Obama Foundation Scholars Program, and Juliana is currently in residency at Columbia University's World Projects 
an initiative that brings together practitioners and academics to tackle some of the pressing issues of our time. As a Colombian American who came to the United States as a political asylee at age 15, Juliana lives in Miami, Florida with her husband, Jan Romberg, who is Norwegian, and their sons, Sebastian and Vincent. It's so good to have her join us on the Someone to Tell a Two podcast today. We are so grateful to have this conversation with her. Well, Juliana, welcome to the Someone to Tell Two podcast. It's always good to have new guests and new faces with us. And so we're just happy to have you here with us today. I'm so happy to be here with you. Thank you both for inviting me. One of the biographical descriptions of you reads that you've traveled across the world finding the human side to every story. Could you just tell us a little bit about some of the places that you've traveled and about a few of the memorable human moments you've discovered along the way? Absolutely. Yeah, so I'll start off by saying that my work as a documentary filmmaker and network producer um, has led me to some pretty uh, wonderful places, like you just mentioned. Um, I had the privilege of living in Latin America for six years in Brazil after graduating college. Um, And it was a wonderful experience because I was able to travel all over. Uh, So Bolivia, uh, Peru, Guatemala, Brazil, uh, within Brazil, right? Um, Argentina, Colombia. And the wonderful thing about uh, the places where I was going to and the people I was meeting was what I was taking away from their lives and from their stories. So for example, in Guatemala City, uh, for a shoot for National Geographic, we had to go interview the trash miners, people who live off recyclables of trash in the biggest trash dump in Central America and the most toxic, I must add. And their story was fascinating because in a country where they could have easily chosen to, you know, join a gang or, you know, rob um, and do other dishonest things, they decided, they chose to do one of the hardest jobs of diving in a river of trash surrounded by, well, poisonous chemicals. Um, It was also under the biggest um, cemetery. So sometimes like bodies would float in the river. So pretty horrific. Um, But the point here is that they told me themselves that for them, their work was clean, despite the fact that they were considered dirty in their society. And for them, dirty were people in suits and ties who were dishonest and who were robbing and who were corrupt. So I just learned so much about the human spirit and about people who have a choice to do one thing or another and choose the honest way, although their society is cataloging them as dirty 
while they feel clean. That's, that's powerful. Uh, to have those kinds of experiences, to meet those kinds of people who, well, just whose lives might be very different from ours, and, and to realize the, the dignity and the, uh, I don't know, just the, the humanity in what they do every day and, and who they are. Uh, so thanks, thanks for sharing that. We have not had as many of those kinds of experiences, you know, in, in, in our travels. Uh, but we've done, been doing, before, anyway, before the pandemic, <laughs> had been increasingly doing more travel ourselves for the work that we do and, and in listening to people. And, you know, what, what we've learned, one of the things that we, 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 we talked about ourselves about just even with this question was, we know that you're part of the International Listening Association. And um, at three years ago, uh, during uh, the International Listening Association's last in-person convention, which was in Vancouver, Canada, we, we, we were there, we, we got to present and... We received an award and received an award, <laughs> which was which was wonderful for wonderful for our listening work. But one of the most also meaningful aspects of that was we had a friend, a person who's become an advisor to our nonprofit um, work, uh, who lives in Vancouver. So we had the opportunity after the convention was over of spending the day with him. It was a Saturday, and he we drove around in his car. He took us all through the city, pointing out, you know, so many of the, 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 the I mean, it's just a beautiful place, as well as north of the city into the, into the woods and in, in, into the mountains. And we spent this day simply listening to him talk about his life. He, he was born in Iran. He grew up a, a Muslim. Um, he had a very different life from, from ours. And to share in that and just hear his, his, some of his deeper thoughts and, and feelings and experiences was one of the most meaningful um, th- things we ever experienced. And we just realized that, that the more we are able to, as you have done, travel around the world to meet people who come from different places um, from us, how impactful that can be. And so we, we honor the work that you do and the fact that you're able to put that out there publicly for people to see and to know, uh, we think is, is really special. And we appreciate that very much. And so we want to ask you, what, what has inspired you to do films, to, to, to travel, to you know, experience the world in, in a very diverse way, to put that into film and to make as a uh, as, a, as a foundational element of your films, the fact that listening to one another is one of the most meaningful, th- meaningful things that we can do. Thank you for that, Michael. So I think for me, coming from Colombia, right? I was born in Colombia. I lived there till I was 15. I moved to the United States then. Um, I know that you are both aware that my family got political asylum in the U.S. We came to stay, uh, the experience of uh, coming to a new country at age 15 was clearly impactful. I had been going to an American school my whole life, so thankfully I spoke the language and you know, culturally I felt um, connected to the United States, so that was not a shock. 
But um, I did have to come to terms with my identity in a completely different way after moving to the U.S. because I wasn't cataloging or self-identifying as um, Latino. I, you know, ethnicity wasn't a thing, um, right? And and then I also began to notice things about the U.S. that I wasn't aware of. Um, I clearly understood that people were othered because of their identity, right? There was this us and this them. I mentioned it in the recent uh, TED talk that I did as well. And I got a chance to see that clearly through my dad um, and my mom to a certain degree, but my dad more um, because he his English was broken. And um, when he spoke back, people really identified that he wasn't one of us and uh, and how I felt about all that. and 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 this uh, othering that was intrinsic, right? In in uh, their response to him, uh, people's response to him when they sense that, oh, he speaks a different language and he is different from us. And um, and then I had to go back and begin to try to understand where my interest for identifying the humanity and others came from, and it was clearly in episodes like this of us versus them, who am I, who are we, who do I identify with, Um, and I don't know if that would have happened had I not moved. I don't know that I would be the person who I am today. I knew I always wanted to go into media. That's something I've known since I was probably 11, and I could sense early on that media or the arts or documenting uh, people through video cameras was the way to impact uh, people, to reach people. And I had no idea how I was gonna do that. So I went to study journalism at Northwestern um, after some years of being in the US. So I moved to Chicago, I was in Chicago for six years. And I had done some work for several newscasts, um, ABC News and, and others. and. I identified that that was not the kind of content that I was wanting to do, uh, that I thought could have a greater impact um, in the shorter term, right? Like I was gonna have to move to a small town in the US and uh, and cover stories that I didn't really care for uh, initially. So what I did instead was I went to Cairo, Egypt, uh, where I was able to document the stories of Sudanese refugees living in Cairo. And I had met the Sudanese refugees through an exchange that I had done with Northwestern in Cairo. And I understood while I was there teaching English and uh, connecting with them that I was similar to them, that I was lucky to have been in Colombia and have had the opportunity to move to the U.S., they were in Sudan and they had gone to Egypt and they weren't so lucky because all the rights that Egypt had offered them in practice weren't being exercised. So the documentary became about that. Um, it was called Rightful Yet Rightless. And it documented something that people weren't documenting. And I also deeply understood the power of being able to go in there with a hidden camera with myself and myself. (laughs) I had a a Sudanese who was acting as my driver, 
bodyguard connection to a lot of these people who was taking me to the slums of Cairo uh, in what I wasn't supposed to be doing. I wasn't supposed to be documenting anything um, under Hosni Mubarak back then. And uh, this was 2006. And, and that's how the career in documentary filmmaking started. I realized the power of sharing stories that haven't been shared. I realized the power of listening to people who have important stories to share, who can also heal while they're sharing. And, and most importantly, I found myself, I found my career path, um, maybe not most importantly, equally importantly. Um, I understood that this was it. I, if I was to do anything with um, videography, uh, it was to cover people's stories. And, uh, and I didn't know much about listening back then, but I was listening to them and I was growing and I was expanding and I was sharing their stories with the world and it felt good. And that's what I continued pursuing since then. And, uh, and I guess with every one of those stories of traveling across Latin America with Nat Geo in a lot of episodes for a series called Taboo and then for Discovery on multiple series throughout the Americas and then transitioning to a job at Discovery in the Miami office. That remained that, you know, no matter what story you're doing, look for the human element, connect to the people, try to go beyond and, and understand what about their story can be a takeaway that uh, inspires someone to, to be better, do better, look into this more, expand in one way or another, right? You mentioned your TED Talk, which we'll get to just in a few minutes, which we absolutely loved, by the way. And we want to share that widely on our social, our social platforms through someone to tell it to. But we did want to especially highlight your documentary, uh, Listen, in which you brought together people on opposite sides of three very controversial and divisive issues, gun control, abortion, and immigration. Could you just tell us a little bit about the premise of the film and then what you may have learned from it and that you expect, uh, ex what you didn't expect or anticipate? So Listen was born after the 2016 election. I was really troubled by all the hatred and othering right this is i think when the othering became really apparent again and i felt it um before when my dad was being othered and i didn't really have a word for it or couldn't really grasp it i wasn't really feeling it i knew that he was set as you know you're different um but when the 2016 election rolled around, I think a bunch of us felt like, whoa, this sense of isolation, of not belonging in a country that is ours as well, right? And, and that's the problem with a country that is so divided. Um, and I noticed that I also began to other people who were different from me, uh, clearly just because I didn't, understand them. I didn't know enough about them. So that's how Listen was born. I was working at Discovery in the Miami office and 2016 election rolled around. I was super troubled. Discovery was also going through a bunch of shifts. And I began to question 
my role, what I could do uh, to bring people together, to have people share what's impacted them and why they believe what they believe and see what happened. See what happened when we paired people who are unlikely to come together. Did you, did you have any expectations? I had deeply hoped that they would transcend their differences. I didn't know the extent to which that was going to happen. Uh, obviously, it was real people, not only real people who are passionate about their ideas, but whose lives have been deeply impacted by the issues, uh, right? So, for example, for pro-life and pro-choice, I had two ladies who have both had abortions. Um, for for gun, anti-gun or for gun control, I had two people who were deeply impacted, a survivor of a school shooting, and on the other side, someone who has a portal, portal for selling and trading firearms, um, who also has his reasons for carrying a gun um, because of a disability. And it's his way to feel protected and to feel like he can protect his family. So it was enlightening, honestly, to bring people who believe deeply in these issues together and also to see what would ensue and to place myself as a third wheel, right? As um, someone who's bringing them together, trying to come to terms with everything they're saying without passing judgment, facilitating the conversation and obviously devising a three-part encounter, hoping that humanity would ensue, that they would be able to see past their differences. So there was a little methodology in the encounters, and there was also thought into what can we do with them so that we break past these differences. Were these the first six people that you asked? Were there any other candidates? Oh, no, the casting process was extensive. Yes. Um, yeah, especially because we spoke to a lot of people who, quite frankly, when told, I would love for you to be able to sit with someone who's different from you and hear them out. They were too angry. They didn't want to engage and they admitted to it. So that is the case, you know, in our country, there are people who are simply too angry to be able to come to the table on both sides. Um, and it's, it's, it's sad that that's where we are, but it is. And so, and then, and then some others um, just believed strongly on the issues, but didn't have lived experiences that were as impactful or as connected to the issues. So there was also that. I truly wanted people who didn't only believe in this, but whose lives were impacted by it. Um, so it was, a, it was a, I would say month and a half, two month um, selection process. And those two things had to align. And the great thing is once we were able to identify six people across three issues, which were abortion, guns, and immigration. We went ahead with it and uh, were 
recorded the experiences and the experiences that were recorded for the documentary are the experiences that ended up in the documentary. Yeah, we were curious about that, like how much editing was involved. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like I had a sixth or a seventh um, couple that didn't make it or yeah, there was nothing like that. Um, it was those six people and I wanted to be as true to the process as possible. Um, as you're able to see um, in the trailer and also in the film, there is one person that isn't very receptive to continuing the conversation um, and he walks away. And I wanted to leave that because it's important for us to recognize as a society that this is hard work and that we have to be intentional about these conversations happening. But we need to sit willing to listen and willing to go past our narrative about who this person is and what I already assumed to be true, right? Which is really difficult to do. So that's why so I launched this whole movement called Listen Courageously. And we'll be right back after the break. We use Buzzsprout to create this podcast. And as a small nonprofit team, we really appreciate how easy they make it to get our guests' stories out into the world. With Buzzsprout, you get a beautiful podcast website, audio players to embed into other sites, detailed analytics, tools to promote your episodes, and so much more. Use the link in the show notes to get a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up for a paid plan and to support our show. As the co-founders of Someone to Tell To, we often find ourselves traveling around between meetings and listening sessions, and we often don't really have time for the little things like grocery shopping. I'm sure many of you have had that experience when at the end of a long workday, you'd rather do anything else than shop for groceries. That's why we're happy to give our listeners the chance to get free delivery on your first Instacart order over $35. You'll get the products you love from your local stores in as fast as one hour. There's nothing quite like sitting down at the end of the day to be present for your family over a home-cooked meal, and takeout just doesn't feel the same. So if you find yourself needing groceries and considering getting takeout instead, get hand-selected products delivered straight to your door. Get free shipping on orders over $35 by using the link in the show notes. Congratulations on that film. We saw it really liked it and loved the premise of it and the, the opportunity to listen to conversations and to watch uh, how people attempt to come together. And in two of those instances, the people, the two of those, uh, they did. They, the, 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 both, both people in the, you know, on the issue were able to come to a, a greater understanding, a respect of one another, of of recognizing each other's experiences as 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 real and personal and and at least you know there was a there was a there was a common ground but in the in the one case there wasn't so how do we um and you you know you've talked about that briefly what do we do how do we overcome th- those kinds of relationships um when someone we just our values are so different 
when we believe something so differently from someone else and you know that that they may you know for us you know whether it's someone who perhaps is is racist and we feel is racist and we just can't get beyond that or or don't recognize the dignity of other people or don't believe that some other people have any value when we do our sessions with listen courageously uh, we are very clear that two things need to be present in order for courageous listening to be even possible to begin with. Um, And that is someone, the person who you're speaking with needs to be able to acknowledge and recognize your existence as a person. If they don't, it's really hard for you to engage in the work with them because most likely what that will mean is that respect won't be present. And you're clearly not going to put yourself in harm's way, whether it's for verbal abuse or physical abuse or emotional abuse, just for the sake of having a courageous or difficult conversation because you want to make the world a better place or because you want to be a little bit lessened or or because you want to be a little bit relieved of the burden of that we all carry of walking around with the pain that we do because we are dividing, separating, othering. Um, So yes, we invite people to have courageous conversations and to do deeper listening work when they are being respected and when the other person is acknowledging their right to exist in this world. So if we're able to sit two people together who want to engage in the world and the work and are showing deep respect for one another, then I think we we mention it in, in the in the TED talk. I mentioned it in the TED talk. What are some of the things that are required for that listening to be able to happen? And One is genuine curiosity. So wanting to engage in the work, but for the right reasons. Not because you want to win the conversation over, not because you want to know how this person can change their opinion and believe in what you believe, but because you really want to learn about them. Yeah, and I'll hit hit the pause button there. So coming back to the question I'd asked earlier just about you and uh, creating this documentary and not having expectations. So what I'm hearing is basically having a genuine curiosity without expectations. Genuine curiosity without expectations, as well as being fully present and understanding that when you are thinking, oh, how is it that I am going to reply to what this person is sharing? Or when you're thinking, oh, this person must be telling me this because really what they want me to do is that, right? You're overanalyzing what they're saying and you stop listening. You're blocking your listening. So presence is really important for understanding what the other person is saying and not reading between the lines of what they're saying. And then also withholding yourself from the whole process and letting go of your ego 
really getting in the way, wanting to control the conversation and the outcome, right? And then, and then we also talk about judgment because we jump into conclusions about other people. We all do. Who they are, what they stand for, and then what their morals are, who their values because of what they believe or because of who they are. And this blocks us. So just withholding, we can't get rid of our judgment entirely. Hopefully we can work towards withholding it. And the more we withhold it and the more we learn, hopefully we begin to get rid of it. But it's a process. Thank you for listening to the Someone to Tell It To podcast. Wonders Found Thrift Shop is proud to be one of its sponsors. Wonders Found is an all-volunteer-run thrift shop begun to support our mission team as they rebuild homes in disaster areas. We support local missions, people experiencing homelessness, veterans, and children and youth outreaches. We also provide clothing and household items to families displaced by fire or flood. You can learn more at our website, wondersfound.org, or stop in to see what wonders you can find at 7810 Allentown Boulevard, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. Well, congratulations on your TED Talk as well as your documentary. Uh, we listened to both again and, and just enjoyed them so much and had so many takeaways. I know when we, we were actually listening to your TED Talk on, on a drive back here to Pennsylvania, we live in central Pennsylvania. We were driving back from Boston. We had been on a trip together. And I know the one that especially st- stood out to me out of those, uh, those bullet points you just mentioned was about withholding our ego. That's a phrase and a term we had never heard before. But um, I think, you know, we're, we're seeing and hearing today just kind of this running theme of letting go of our expectations, not having out, uh, like expected outcomes that we're hoping to achieve in our conversations but setting those things aside is not an easy thing to do. I think most of us approach conversations expecting to have some kind of a goal in mind. But one of the ways that we, and there's so many ways we could all define listening, but I know we, we define it this way in our, our most recent book, is just that listening, the end goal is to know and be known. And it's just to, to be known more ourselves and then to know others better as well. And... Uh, there, by that definition, there isn't an expectation or an outcome that we're trying to achieve. It's simply to be known better, and that's it. Uh, which means asking more questions, and being being more curious. Um, you know, there's so many things out of your TED talk that we'd love to just highlight. But there's one one phrase and one quote in particular that stood out to us. And you you said this in in your talk: "If the humanity in me fails to recognize the humanity in you." then I fail to recognize the humanity in myself. Yeah, what a beautiful yeah. sentiment. Um, <laughs> could you just talk to our listeners for a minute about this quote and, and what it meant to you? So to know and be known is a beautiful definition of listening. And it ties to what I shared in the TED Talk about seeing the humanity in others, to see the humanity in you. Because when you are engaging in a conversation with someone and you are genuinely open and are interested 
in it being a two-way where humanity can be present. You need to share who you are, what's impacted you, why you believe what you believe in a way where you are putting your humanity in display for the other person to see it and for the other person to be able to connect with it and for the other person to be able to emulate it. And this I've found invites the listening to happen. So to know and be known is exactly it. Um, you can't be known also unless you are open to sharing in a way that's vulnerable, in a way that's human. And then that invites the other person to know you. You've also said, wrote and said that you must humanize your opponents or they will continue to have power over you. You think that's a very profound statement as well. Would you say more about that? What do you mean and how can things change? So the work that we've been doing has naturally evolved from can we connect despite our ideological differences to can we connect at the level of who we are as people through our differences because of our gender, because of our socioeconomic status, sexual orientation, as well as race, cultural background, ethnicity. And that work in the identity space with people who come together in groups that we create that are facilitated, but that serve as containers for people to share what's impacted them because of who they are and not because of what they believe. It really has made us realize that the only way out is for us to share our stories and invite our opponents into conversations. And this is difficult to do when, like we said, as soon as we started, if someone is not recognizing your value and acknowledging your existence, then it's really hard to do. But spaces where we are creating an opportunity for that person who didn't know because of how they grew up, because of things they heard, they, they, because they didn't know better. And, and there's, there's something that we all need to learn and know better. Like there isn't anyone who isn't here learning, right? We are not born knowing these things. So also accepting and giving people the benefit of learning through our experiences without shaming them for not having known better previously is so important. So when we invite people into these spaces, we want the people who are sharing stories and are being very vulnerable and courageous in doing so and are willingly doing it. Clearly, there's people who are not ready to share stories either and shouldn't. And inviting those who are curious and want to do better because they want to genuinely learn and be exposed. 
So the work that we've done since Listen and moving on to Listen Courageously and that we've continued doing with other films um, that are in the works and with the whole platform that I can share more that now I'm taking steps to launch as part of the Obama Scholars Program at Columbia University that I'm in right now um, is for people to come in contact with others that they haven't had a chance to be in contact with before. You know, it's the premise of contact theory all along, and it applies from our divides to our identities, all of our identities. If we don't invite people who don't understand us into conversation, they will simply continue to have power over us because they will continue stuck in their ways. And we will continue hating, othering, and carrying the burden of that othering that we feel, not only because it's being projected at us, but we're projecting it back. So we invite them into conversation so that we can share what's impacted us, hopefully open them up to want to engage and to understand and to do better. And hopefully the power dynamic begins to change. You know, people who were here and here begin to see eye to eye, begin to understand all that connects us, begin to understand what really matters. What would you say to people whose emotions are especially heightened to the point where they're so angry that even entering into those conversations would create additional animosity towards the other? There's people who are not ready to have these conversations and it goes for both sides of anything. Um, first, if you're in the position of sharing what's impacted you, you need to have gone through a process where you feel like you're ready to share and where you feel like you're not reliving certain pains that are gonna harm you more because you're sharing. <laughs> because that's the last thing we want to re-victimize people who have been hurt. So we want people at a point in their journey where they have done some healing and when they are ready to engage because they recognize that not engaging is worse than engaging. And, and for people who, are too angry to want to learn. I just don't know that they'll engage to begin with. But for people who have been angry, who have been with people who have been angry, who want to try to engage, who are beginning to question if there's value to this or that, those are the people who can engage. And it's okay if it's new. It's okay if it's different. It's okay if it's out of your comfort zone. That's how we all grow. We clearly don't want anyone in their panic zone, right? But we want people stretching out of their comfort zone and willing. All it takes is willingness. And even if you show up to a listening circle, a facilitated circle where people are coming together and sharing what's impacted them and you're quiet and you're just listening 
maybe you're beginning to stretch out of your comfort zone. We're not necessarily asking people to go, you know, head to head and have an engage in deep conversation with someone with either they don't agree or, or with someone who's so different from them, you know? So these circles are opportunities for people who want to join and be spectators and listen and understand that, hey, maybe this is something I'm willing to try out. And maybe in the next conversation, they share a little bit more. And little by little, you know, hearts begin to open. How about self-care and how that comes into play? Oh, self-care is so important. Um, uh, we typically uh, start our sessions with breathing exercises, with you know, creating a safe space, um, setting a container for the experience to be able to occur, um, inviting people to share who are willing to share um, and, and who feel ready to share. So everything is voluntary, willing, so I would imagine with a lot of these conversations, it's just inherently triggering additional emotion. And we have to know ourselves and know our own limits and know our own boundaries to be able to step back and process so that we're not adding, so to speak, fuel to the fire. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't think fuel to the fire is added when you are sharing something that you've already processed and that you're ready to share. Uh, I think fuel to the fire is added when you have two people going head to head and when you're, mm, I would say existence is threatened by someone else's belief, that's hurtful, right? But when we're sharing from a place of this is my experience. Can you connect to an experience where you have also been othered because of who you are? Is there are moments where you've been treated less than someone else because of your identity. And what typically happens is we all understand that we have been in situations where we have been treated as less than others. And we understand and connect with what that feels like. And when we do, we are willing to learn more. It opens us up. What, what you just said there, I think, is extremely significant. Uh, we, we try to, to when we talk in, in, you know, to people, to groups, make presentations, um, help people recognize the common things that we all feel from time to time. And one of those is, you know, we'll ask people, when, when have you felt as if you have not been listened to? It's amazing. They will ask, you know, first we'll ask, you know, think of a time when you've really been listened to well. And, you know, very few hands go up. Very few people say, I really can't think of too many of those. But when you ask, how about a time when you haven't been? When you think about what, what does it feel like not to have been heard, not to have been respected, not to have been recognized, uh, or whatever. It's amazing that <laughs> it's a much more hands, many more hands go up. Many more heads are nodding. Many more smiles are, are like of, of recognition um, come out. And when we can connect on that kind of level, what it feels like 
to be ignored, what it feels like to be dismissed, what it feels like to not be recognized or respected or valued. We all know what that's like. And to, to kind of connect on that common ground can draw us together and help us to appreciate one another more. So we know that, that um, our time is, is running out. And so we just want to ask you, um, is there, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share? Anything you'd like to say about this, about listening, about othering, about the work that you do to help bring people together and to help forge greater human connection, greater human understanding. Yeah. Just reflecting on how beautiful it is that it's all tied to listening at the end of the day, right? The moments where we felt less than are also moments where we have not been listened. Something that I didn't expect to see with the film that I did and that I continue seeing in our sessions, um, how when we are able to connect with people who are different from us on any level, we are able to recognize that there are things that we share and those range from values, pains, experiences. So just a beautiful discovery that that is when we are able to transcend those differences or bring down those walls that divide us and understand that hey, here's a person on the other side that is seemingly very different from me or believes something very different from what I do. But how interesting that we are able to recognize that there's values that we have in common, that we have both been hurt in different ways and that our experiences are not so different after all. And I think that discovery is just so powerful. So I invite anyone who hasn't been able to have a discovery like that to try it out because it is life altering and it gives you hope for humanity. It gives you hope for, yes, this is possible. We can do better. We owe it to the world, to our society to do better, but we owe it to ourselves. Well, thank you. Thank you for your, for sharing yourself with us today and our listeners. Juliana, how could people find out more about your work? At listen.courageously is where people can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, same on LinkedIn. There's a Listen Courageously page. And listencourageously.com is our website. Uh, the TED Talk, uh, if you go to TED.com and in the search bar juliana to forge pop up uh, the name of the talk is listening courageously can bridge what divides us um, i think uh, by the name is how you find it on ted and uh interestingly enough i'll add a note uh, so people don't get uh, afraid ted added a note from ted this talk contains a conversation on abortion which i thought was so interesting um as someone who is fighting against those labels and uh who is inviting people into conversations to have been labeled is really interesting um but uh, it is part of the world that we live in and 
so interesting that we see it all the way from our political institutions to TED. <laughs> so it's there. And if anything, it's a reminder that more work is needed and that it is important to invite people to realize that across our divides, we can connect. And that although we're being labeled, we need to continue striving uh, for unity and for understanding. Well, thank you. Uh, this work is needed. What you are doing is vital. It is so important to helping us recognize our common humanity. And we appreciate what you're doing so much. We congratulate you on, on the things, the, the messages that you've been able to share to the world, the stories that you've been able to tell, and the impact that you are, have been able to, to, to have. And we wish you only the best. And thank you so much for joining us in this conversation today. We have appreciated it very much. We resonate with it very much. And um, we're, we're so grateful for people like you who can join with us in helping the world to listen better. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you too and the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you for this space. Well, thanks for joining us today. As we mentioned towards the end, we encourage you to hop on Juliana's website and also to go to YouTube to find her TED Talk. Uh, we, we recently listened to it in preparation for this conversation today. There's so many helpful takeaways. I think one of the things that especially stood out to me today in the conversation was talking about minimizing our expectations and outcomes that we hope to achieve in conversations, um, essentially trying to change people. Because I think as soon as we start to enter into a dialogue or a conversation with that motivation, we're going to be disappointed. So I think in her language, if we can just start under the premise of just humanizing people uh, and making them feel as if they have something of value just by their very being, that changes the potential to achieve the kind of outcomes that we'd like to achieve. And that's to make people feel as if they have something to say. Absolutely. Uh, Juliana speaks our language. Uh, she shared so many concepts and beliefs that we believe in and that we try to, um, we try to share as well. And uh, we're grateful to find people like her who, who is in this work as well and does uh, so many similar. She does it, you know, what she does is different from what we do, but the, the message is the same. And the, in, and the, the importance of it is the same, and, and we're grateful for that. So for those of you who um, live uh, near us in central Pennsylvania, we want to invite you to an event that we are having uh, very soon on April the 12th where the best-selling author and, and, and very popular speaker, John Gordon, will be here in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania to, to talk uh, about someone to tell us to, to his work and share his message as it relates to our work. And that um, is something that you can go to our website, someone2tell2.org, to learn more about and to sign up and to, to get tickets to that event if you'd like to come. And we'd, we would love that. And we thank you for, for uh, listening to us, for watching these podcasts. And especially, we've been, we've been very fortunate this, this month, this uh, Women's um, uh, History Month, to uh, have some, some dynamic uh, women, articulate women, 
on on this podcast to have these conversations with them and um, we're grateful that you've been listening and that you we we hope that you have enjoyed them as much as we have so thank you and until we listen again